Hi, this is Jason Wynn, the pastor of Ignite at River of Life Christian Church. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast today. It is my hope that this message that you're about to listen to will be a great blessing to your life. Enjoy, and God bless. Hey, Ignite, how's it going? Pastor Kwok here. Um, mostly recovered from my COVID-19. The doctor said I can hang out now, so I'm hanging out places. Uh, also, uh, I still have kind of a lingering cough, so I, I, I'm still coughing a little bit, but I'm COVID-free and I'm not contagious, so if anyone wants to hang out, give me a call. <laughs> Anyways, um, this last week, uh, my wife and I did this conversation on Zoom with uh, my friends Sean and his wife for their church. And uh, we talked about um, the, uh, the tension between faith and reality, between believing for the promise, but yet not yet receiving uh, the promises of God in the Bible. And, and I turned it into sermon form because I really believe it's, it's something that we all go through Uh, when our prayers, what do we do when our prayers are not answered yet, especially when it's something that we are praying for where we actually see the promise so clear in the scriptures that this is the will of God, but yet we don't see the will of God uh, as written in the scripture manifested in our life. It uh, it could be frustrating sometimes. It could make us hopeless sometimes. And so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, In the conversation, we talked about uh, having having an autistic son, and we're praying for his healing, but yet not seeing it manifest yet. Now, I believe, this is how I believe the scriptures, and when I study, when I read the scriptures, I see, first of all, that everyone who has come to Jesus in the Gospels, everyone who approached Jesus asking him for deliverance or asking him for healing, every single person was healed, all right? I also believe that healing was provided for in the atonement of Christ. I, uh, you may not believe that in your studies, but this is what I believe from reading the scriptures, that, that healing was provided for in the atonement of Christ. So I believe healing is the children's bread. And so that's why whenever someone comes to me asking for healing, I never say, you know what, I don't think God's going to heal you, so I'm not going to pray for you. I always pray for healing every time. And I always believe for complete healing every time. And so having an autistic child, of course, I'm going to pray for his healing because uh, he suffers from it. He he hits himself. He can't sleep all night. He has his own sufferings. And I want to relieve my child of these sufferings. And it is, can I tell you that having an autistic child is no joke. It is a full-time job, okay? And so... It is, it is no joke. And so we are believing, me and my wife, we believe for the complete healing of our sons. We've, I've heard testimonies of other kids with autism who uh, even recently been completely healed. And so these things keep us going. But what is, there's a tension between the promise of God. And I'm not, we're not just talking about healing here. My situation, for that situation, it's healing. But there are other situations 
um, that maybe God has promised you something, right? Maybe God has promised you a mate. Maybe you got a prophetic word for a wife or for a husband, or or you don't need a prophetic word for that. Maybe you just want to get married, or or maybe you know you got a prophetic word about something that's not been fulfilled, or you're reading the Bible and you're praying for certain things and you know it's God's will, but it's not been fulfilled, and you're a little disappointed. You're a little. You become doubtful. You 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 get frustrated hopeless and even cynical and can I tell you that that is okay and that God is okay with you feeling these things in fact what he wants to do is he wants to begin to work these things out of you until you have complete faith and so let's read the scriptures uh, let's read Genesis chapter 12 1 through 3 1 through 3 and this is where God gives Abraham his covenant promises It says, the Lord has said to Abraham, or Abram, at the time his name was Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And here's the promise. I will make you a great nation. There's the promise right there. Out of your loins. You're going to become a great nation. Now, in this day and age, we know that the promise has been fulfilled, that the Jewish people are a great nation, right? But right here, God promises Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Let me tell you, if God makes you famous, it's not for you. It's so that you can be a great blessing to others. So if anyone here, you become famous, YouTube famous, TikTok famous, movie famous, infamous. (laughs) It's not just for you. It's so that you can be a great blessing to others. And then he goes on, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. That's Genesis chapter 12, one through three. God makes the promise. How many guys know the promise is not answered? If you read the book of Genesis, the promise comes at Genesis chapter 21, 1 through 3, and the promise is fulfilled. Well, the first part of the promise is fulfilled. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. And she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the si- that time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Now, <clears throat> the promise was given. Genesis chapter 12. The promise was fulfilled. Genesis chapter 21. That is nine chapters in the Bible. Uh, If you read those chapters from 12 to 21, it might take you a half an hour. It would take me like an hour because I read slow. I like to soak it in. I like to stop and think. I read slow. When I read the Bible, I read so slow. Um, And so, so we see here that the promise takes nine chapters. All right? Nine chapters of waiting for us, a half an hour of waiting for me, one hour of waiting to see the promise fulfilled. But in all reality, in Genesis chapter 12, Abram was 75 years old. Man, it it took him 75 years to leave his father's house. No No wonder 
God came down and said, you got to get out of your dad's house. In Genesis chapter 21, Abraham was 100 years old when his first son was born. That is 25 years from promise to fulfillment. My son was born six years ago. I didn't find out that he had autism until he was about one year old. And so for me, from the time I found out he had autism and began to pray for his healing till now, it's been about five years. I've been praying for healing for five years. I've been believing God for, to touch my son for five years. And can I tell you, if it takes 25 years, if, when he, is tw if he doesn't get healed till he's 26 years old, I'm still believing for the healing. Why? Because my faith is not in my circumstances. My faith is in God's word, in what God's word has revealed to me who God is. Our faith is in uh, the identity of God. Why? Because the Bible says what? Have faith in God. The Bible doesn't even say have faith in the promise. Yes, we have faith in the promise, but the Bible says to have faith in God. What does that mean? It means we have faith in the character of God and in his revealed character as in the Bible. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. That's who he is. That's who he is. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. So my faith is to the point where my circumstances and situation doesn't change the way I view God. That's where I am now. Can I tell you that is not where I have always been? Can I tell you that it took a while of of, 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 of enduring. And I'm, I'm, even before Judah, even before my son, even when believing for other things, it took a while for me to come to the point where I do not get frustrated at God. Now, there were times where I would get frustrated at the Lord. I would, God, why me? Why is this happening? I've served you. I've given my whole life to you. I've, I'm, I'm a preacher, Lord. I, I, I defend you. I preach the gospel. Why me? Right? I used to pray prayers like that, which it was okay. If, if, if I'm going to question God, I would go to God and question God. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But now I'm at the place where, where if a trial rises in me, God has brought me personally to a place where I'm like, okay, Lord, you can handle it. I remember years ago God, when God was trying to teach me about his um, provision, that he is Jehovah Jireh. That's his name, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, that he is the provider for me. And I remember when finances were slim to none and we would pray and I would get frustrated at the Lord and I'd be like, God, I give my whole life to you and I'm broke, what's going on? And, and the Lord would always just accept me as I was and deal with my heart and I'd always come and repent at the end of my prayer and then God would always come through every. Time. And not only would he come through every time, like he would, when we needed the bill, he would come through the day before or the day of. He was literally teaching me, give us this day our daily bread. I remember this one time uh, the Lord had told me in my heart, I want you to preach that I'm the provider. I want you to preach that I will prosper those who are generous. So he wanted me to preach prosperity 
and generosity. And it's biblical. It's who God was. But can I tell you that if you looked at my bank account, it was not who God was. Can I tell you that if you had opened up my cupboards and my, my fridge, it was not who God was. And I remember the night before I had all my notes. I said, Lord, I can change this because I feel that if I preach that you're a provider, I feel I'm lying, God. But then I decided, but the Holy Spirit was like, no, I want you to preach this. And I decided, okay, I'm going to preach this. I'm going to preach that you are the provider, that you are, that, that we need to be generous and that you do prosper us when we're generous, that, 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 that prosperity, there's a different sermon, but the prosperity is that so that we can be a blessing unto others, not so that we can live extravagant lives. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things, but, but ultimately, if God has prospered you, especially in this time of COVID, it's so that you can help a brother out, help someone out. And I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are, because uh, you're good people. You're good people. But anyways, God had me preach this. And so that morning I preached. I preached on generosity. And, I, and then I, at the end, I gave examples of people who've been generous into my life. And I, and I called out some people, some church people. Hey, you, you did this to me when I was younger and you helped me out here. And I called them out and, and began to talk to them about how generous they were to me and, and, and really encouraging generosity. And I preached my message and I was done. I, I obeyed the Lord. After the church was over, one person that was in the congregation texted me, and, and they're like, meet me at Costco. I'm like, ooh, I knew what was about to go down. <laughs> they said, meet me. I met them at Costco. They said, come in, come in, bring two carts. I said, what? Said, bring two carts. I came in with two carts. Can I tell you, they filled my carts with food, with meat. With, they, our carts were overflowing. Can I, this was years ago, and this was Costco. I still have plastic Ziploc bags from that Costco run. And so God came through. He proved himself to me through his word. And, and, and this day and age, uh, now I just believe that he, it's easy for me to believe. I, I think I shared last time I got a letter from the IRS. You know when you get a letter from the IRS, it's never like, hey, here's some money. It's like, you owe us thousands. Can I tell you, I got a letter from the IRS and uh, I owe them thousands. And you know what I did? I just remember when Jesus... When Peter came to Jesus, like, hey, we got to pay taxes. And Jesus like, go fishing, Peter. Go fishing. And Peter went fishing, and he pulled out, coin, he pulled out the coins, and he said, now that's enough for me and you. And he paid Jesus' tax, and he paid his own tax. I just prayed a simple prayer to the Lord. I said, God, just like you did to Peter, I pray that you pay my taxes. And can I tell you something? My taxes are paid. That was just a couple weeks ago. My taxes are paid. There are certain things that are easy for me to believe for, but they they haven't always been easy for me to believe for. It took God teaching me to walk on water. And not just walking on water, getting out of the boat, beginning to sink. Jesus takes your hand, he lifts you back up, and you begin to walk again. And can I tell you, these 25 years for Abraham, from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 21, it wasn't, you know, there's a scripture we read in Romans that talks about how Abraham didn't waver, and it talked about against hope, in hope he believed, against all hope, and at 100 years old being dead on the inside. This was before Viagra, guys. This was before all these, this technology that we have today, these medical breakthroughs. Uh, you know, it, and it talked about how he didn't waver. But if you read Genesis 21 or, or 12 to 21, you'll see that there was frustration. You'll see that there was wavering. Uh, we see, how many of you guys know 
You got to be frustrated. Your husband, when your husband is talking for years about the promise, we're going to get pregnant, the promise, we're going to have a child, we're, we're going to be a blessing to the earth. And you got to be frustrated and say, you know what, Abram, I've not seen a thing happen. Here, you know what, let's make it happen. Sleep with my servant. That's frustration. And Abraham, he must have been so frustrated. He said, sure, right? And then they, they had Ishmael. They slept with a servant and had Ishmael. But Ishmael was not the blessing. The blessing was Isaac. You know, you know that Sarah became cynical, so cynical that in uh, Genesis 18, and this is between chapter Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis uh, 21, in Genesis 18, God appears to Abram or Abraham, and, and this is what it says. God says this, Genesis 18, verse 10. God says, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. The Bible says Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? I don't know if any of you has, you ever listened to the preacher preach? Maybe you listen to me preach about the promises of God and you sit in there in your living room, just start laughing to yourself. Yeah, right, quack. Yeah, right, preacher. Or maybe you read the Bible and you, and you saw something in the Bible that you read, and you're like, yeah, right. Or, 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 or you're reading a devotional, and, and because of your circumstances, you laugh to yourself and you say, yeah, right. No, this is exactly what Sarah is doing here. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why, not only did, why did Sarah laugh, why is she laughing at me? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Come on. I believe what Sarah is saying is reasonable. It's reasonable. But God wants us to believe beyond natural reasoning. He wants us to believe the promise even if it's been years and it looks impossible. And then he goes on to say, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, but the Lord said no. You did laugh. The first thing she does is she laughs at God. She's mocking the promises of God. Don't mock the promises of God, guys. The second thing is she called God alive. She said, I, when God said she laughed, she said, I didn't laugh because she, she was afraid. Now, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Because in Genesis chapter 21, Sarah did have a baby a year later. And then in Genesis 21, Verse 6 through 7, I love, I love how awesome God is because Sarah laughed in doubt. But now Genesis chapter 21, verse 6 through 7 says this, And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. 
She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. I love that God was like, What, you want to laugh at me? I'm going to make you laugh. And the, the, the first laugh that she laughed was a laugh of cynicism, was a laugh that said, yeah, right. The second laugh that she laughed a year later when God came back, and she probably remembered when she laughed a year ago, God came back and gave her a child. This time it was a laugh of joy. She said, God has made me laugh. I don't know how many of you guys, can I tell you when the promise comes, you're going to laugh. It's going to be a joyous day. But can I tell you that in between the time God promises or in between the time you pray God's promise to the time you receive God's promise, I don't know how long it's going to be and, 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 and there's going to be a waiting time. And I don't know why there's some things God answers quickly. Like my taxes, God answered that quickly. That, that money came like, bam! And then there's some things that God takes his time. But can I tell you, God is always on time. And sometimes God needs to take his time. And here's why. In James chapter 1, verse 23, oh, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, and this is a scripture we all read. We've probably written it on our, our little card and stuck it on the thing. We know this scripture. But can I tell you that, that, that you got to really know this scripture? Like, I've read this scripture since 1993, since I've been saved. And it, is, it isn't only until recently that I've really clung to this scripture. And it says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, watch this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Can I tell you something? That when you pray and God doesn't answer, when you want him to answer, your faith is being tested. Faith in what? Your faith in God. Your faith in his character. Your faith in who he has revealed to you. He is in the scriptures and in his presence. That faith is being tested. And when your faith is being tested, it produces well, right here, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, patience. But I like the King James Version. Right here in the King James Version, that word patience is translated long-suffering. Long-suffering. He is teaching us how to suffer long. Here's why. Because in this life, you're going to need joy and you're going to need long-suffering. Count it all joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then you need that joy so you can suffer long. God is, God is building long-suffering inside of you. And the reason he is building long-suffering inside of you is because he knows your future. He knows what you're going to need. He knows the mission that he has for you in the future. How many of you guys know that God doesn't just prepare your future or prepare your destiny for you? He prepares you for your destiny. He prepares you for your service to God in the future. Meaning he knows the things that you're going to have to believe for, you're going to have to go through in the future, and he is using your trials to prepare you right now for your future. That's what he's doing. He's making you better. He's making you better. Well, I'm good. I'm patient. Can I tell you, I thought I was good. I thought I was patient until I had an autistic child. 
Now, I'm not saying that God gave me an autistic child. I do not believe that. But I do believe that God can use my autistic child to transform me. And most transformation doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes deliverance happens overnight, but sometimes transformation takes time. I remember Judah, to this day, Judah, even this last week, can I tell you, I barely got, and that's why these bags under my eyes, I got this lighting lighting me up, the bags are just hanging, drooping. That's why I always look so tired. Pastor Clark, why do you always look so tired? Because my son, that's why. Even this last week, I barely got, I waking up in the middle of the night and staying up all night until the morning with my son. I remember, <coughs> now I'm very patient with him. When he wakes up, I'm more patient. But can I tell you, a couple years ago, there was an incident where uh, Judah was in the other room and my wife and I were asleep in the room in the middle of the night. I hear him crying. In the middle of the night, I hear him crying. And I wake up in a rage. I take my blanket, I just rip it off of me. I get out of bed. I grab our door and I yank our door so hard in rage that I literally pull the door off the hinges. I break our door. And I go and I handle our son. And my wife is like, Quack, you got a problem. You got anger issues. I'm like, no, I'm the, one of the most patient people that I know. And it was annoying that my wife told me that I had anger issues because the door ripped off the hinges already told me I had anger issues. But can I tell you, it caused me to get on my knees and confess my issues to God and tell God when I'm at the end of my rope because I had, I had come to the end of my rope of patience with my son. And I said, Lord, help me to be more patient. He can't help it. He's autism. I'm too angry. And can I tell you, God came into my heart. I don't know what he did. But the next time he woke me up in the middle of the night, I was so tender. I didn't, in fact, instead of ripping the door open, I fixed the door. I'm just, I fixed it real quick. Okay. I, I, I came to my son and, and I took care of my son. Can I tell you that having my prayers not answered yet has caused me to be long-suffering? I remember years ago in the junior high ministry here at River of Life, preaching in the junior, this was back when the junior high and the high school were separated, preaching in the junior high ministry, and they had a group of autistic kids, and this was before I had an autistic son. They had a group of autistic kids, and they, for some reason, they put them all on the right side in the front, and while I'm preaching, they're making noise, they're talking back to me, they're they're disrupting the service, and I get angry. I get mad. I'm like, what's going on? I talk to the workers. I'm like, why are the autistic kids in the front? Put them in the back. Put them in the back where they can just be loud in the back. I need to preach the gospel. I just remember being so upset that the autistic kids were put in the front. Then I had my son years later, and having an autistic child, it does something to you. It, the, the, the God began to put a, an empathy inside of me for uh, special needs. And I remember when I used to see special needs kids, like uh, whether they had autism or Down syndrome, you'd see them around in the mall or wherever. I'd feel uncomfortable. I'd feel awkward. I, do, I didn't know what to do. But having my son now, it's so different. Whenever I see special needs people, I am drawn 
They're like my heroes. I just, when I see them in the, I just want to talk to them. I want to talk to their parents. I, you know, God has used the situation to transform me. And then I remember a couple years later, I was preaching in this camp, and there were youth in there. And during my first sermon, there was this autistic kid in the back, and he was just making all sorts of noise. And afterward, then his sister was trying to shut him up, feeling embarrassed, because I know how that feels. You don't, you don't want to be the disruption in the service. And afterwards, I said, hey, that's your brother. He has autism. And she said, yeah. And she began to profusely apologize I'm so sorry, I'm sorry he's making all, and I said, I stopped her. I said, let him make all the noise that he wants. I'm just glad he's in the service. Uh, I don't mind the noise. I'll preach around the noise. And I told her how my son has autism and it's all good. And I made them feel welcome in the service. Now, you know, that would not have happened if I had not, if I did not have an autistic child and if I had not gone through the sufferings of of dealing with an autistic child. And I tell you, there's time, there have been times, guys, where I'm like dead asleep in the middle of the night and my son will wake up. And now he'll, he'll wake up and, and he'll come to me and he just slaps me in the face. And he, Judah is a strong kid. I wake up to like a, a gnarly slap in the ugh, Or I, I wake up sometimes to a, a Kindle. We have this Kindle fire that Judah plays on. He wants me to turn on. So he, I wake up to Kindle fires like landing on my face, hitting my nose. My eyes tearing because my nose is hurting so bad. And, and God, how many, how many, God has taught me some long suffering. One time I was asleep. And I wake up to Judah putting my flip-flops on my feet. He had my flip-flops, just kind of, my feet were hanging out. And he was just like, <laughs> he wanted to go somewhere. And so, uh, yeah, that's what it's like. <clears throat> and so many times, guys, you know, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm still believing for his healing. But thank God for my autistic son. Thank God for the difference that he's made in my life. And can I tell you that I pray for his complete healing. I also pray everything in between that he'll begin to talk. Uh, we're believing that he'll begin to talk, and he says pizza here and there when he wants pizza. Uh, I'm, I'm believing for him to sleep through the night so I can get some sleep. Uh, we're, you know, and, and can I tell you, I'm to the point where I, I'm like, God, if you don't answer, I, I believe that, that you are the healer in all these things. But my most important prayer, my most important request to you is this, Lord, that I, my son can't communicate with me, and I can't communicate with him with words, but I pray, Lord, that he will know that he is loved. I want him to know that I love him. That's all I want him to know, right? And so we, having, going through tr struggles and having our prayers not answered, sometimes there's a reason God is waiting to answer your prayer. And now I know not everyone listening has an altar. Maybe you guys are waiting for other things. Maybe you're waiting for that significant other, that significant person to, Come into your life. Well, maybe God has not put that significant person in your life yet because you're not ready. Maybe you're not ready. That God gave you that person right now. They break up with you because you're not patient or you're not kind enough or God's like, you're kind of a jerk. I'm going to take the jerk out of you first and then you can be kind. Maybe, who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe you, you are kind. Maybe you are patient. And, but your significant person is a jerk and they're wait, God is waiting. I don't know. For them to change, who knows? Or maybe... Maybe you just have to bust a move. Maybe they're there and you just haven't bust a move. Just bust a move, yo. Shoot your shot. <clears throat> but God, I'm sorry for my ramblings. Uh, let me finish up. But there is that tension there between the reality of what we see 
and the promise. Can I tell you the, the ultimate test in following God is we continue to follow him when we don't understand what is going on. The ultimate test of maturity is we continue to be patient when we don't understand what's going on. We continue to trust him and we continue to follow him. I remember in John chapter 6, verse 66 through 69, the Bible says, from that, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. It's because when Jesus started saying, hey guys, you got to drink my blood, you got to eat my flesh. He didn't, it's funny, he said these weird things, but he didn't explain to them what they meant. And people started to not want to follow him anymore because they didn't understand. How many of you guys know that our faith in God is not based on our understanding of our situation or the situation around the world? Because how many of you guys know we're living in some confusing times? Our faith in God ultimately is in who he is. He is the great I am. Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Where else are we going to go, Lord? You are the Christ. I, no matter how bad my life gets, I can't leave God. Who? Where else? Who else? There is no other God. Jesus is the way. He is my salvation. So when hard times come, my instinct now is not to get frustrated or not to get mad or not to feel sorry for myself. My instinct now is to cling. Just like his disciples here, they didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't understand, but they clung. We need to cling. We need to learn to cling to God when life doesn't make sense. He is the rock. And it's not about the circumstances. It's not about whether he is moving or not moving. It's about who he is. Where else are we going to go? We come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There is nobody else. And I did, uh, I have, I do have three things, three points, and I'll, I'll give these points to you guys real quick before we close about how to stand in that place when your promise isn't there yet, when the things that you're believing for aren't coming to pass, when maybe you're going through a hard time and it doesn't look like God is there. Point number one, you have to have an attitude of gratitude. Thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Can I tell you that if all that he did was die on the cross for my sins and, that, and was raised from the dead and that was it, can I tell you that is enough? If God does not one more thing for me, that is enough. I will hold on to that. I'm glad I get to spend eternity with God. Just thank him. Have an attitude of gratitude. Praise him. Worship him. When you worship God, it realigns your perspective of your situation and of who he is. And it brings us into the truth of his character. It reminds us of the word and his presence comes upon us and confirms what the word has already told us he is. We have to worship and praise him. Amen. Number two, uh, Look forward to the promise. Don't just because you don't see the promise now, and just because it's been two, three, four, five, ten years, doesn't mean you can't still look forward to the promise. 
Abraham, it took him 25 years. Can I tell you, Jesus promised that he would return to the earth 2,000 years ago. And he's not here yet. But can I tell you, he is still the soon coming king. Yes, he is. So we look forward to his faithfulness. Uh, as Journey says, don't stop believing. Declare and pray the promises. Let me say that again. Take the promises of the Bible, declare them over your life, and pray them. How do we do it? First of all, we, when we pray, we humbly bring God's promises in his word to him as we petition him. We humbly bring God's promises to him as we petition him. Here's what I encourage you to do. What is your need? Read through the Bible and find the promises of that need. And humbly, we don't demand, we don't demand God, he is Lord, but we humbly bring it before him. Lord, this is what you have promised me. I humbly remind you of your word. I declare this word over my life. One, we thank him. Two, we look forward to his faithfulness. And three, we completely surrender to his will. Once again, we cling. When we don't understand, we surrender knowing that God is ultimately good, ultimately sovereign, and always has our best interests in mind. We, know, we hang on to God. And we say, you know what, God, I like, I like what the, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in th Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, when uh, they told, turned the, 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 the furnace seven times and they were going to throw them in there because uh, they wouldn't bow down. And it says this, it's, they say, he will rescue us from your power. It says, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. This is, we surrender to his will. You know what, God, I'm believing for healing. But even if you don't, which I believe you will, I will still serve and worship you. I will cling to you, and one day I will get to heaven, and all my questions will be answered. Amen? But can I tell you, I say even if he doesn't, even if he does no more thing for me, I still will hold on, and I still will be thankful, and I still will worship, and I still will be grateful. But here's the awesome part. That even if he doesn't, that's a hypothetical he is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the provider. He is the one who's always present with you. He has promised us. There are covenant promises that we can stand on. And it may take years for some of them to be answered. But God is faithful. And he is developing in us the character of God. He knows what we need more than what we think we know what we need. And he will answer that. We can trust him in that. Amen. I remember uh, I had a friend who, her and her husband, they were trying to get pregnant for like, I don't know, maybe it was like 10 years or something. It was a long 
time. And how many of you guys know that after that, you're pretty much going to kind of give up. And I remember I was praying, I was in my prayer time, and the Lord told me to pray for them. And I just began to pray for them, and God said, call her and tell her that she's going to have a baby. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, is this God or is it me? But God was like, call her and tell her. She's gonna, I'm like, it's been 10 years, Lord. And I forgot about it, and I, kept, I went on my day and running my errands, driving in my car, in my heart, call her, call her. I said, all right, I'm just going to risk it. Who cares? So I called her up. I said, listen, the Lord spoke to my heart. You're going to have a baby. Right when I said that, I felt the anointing. And then I knew it was weird. I knew this is God. You idiot. And I, I, I declared so boldly to her, you, she'd been waiting for 10 years. You will have a baby. This is God's will for your life. And then I said this. And it's going to be a boy. And I was like, oh, no. I said, it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a man child. And you will have a child. And, da, 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 da. and I prayed over her and I hung up. I'm like, that's all right. That's it. I, I do what I do. And then uh, months later, months later, I'm driving in my car. Driving, I think I was driving down the same street where I called her up and it reminded me. I'm like, whoa. I said, I thought to myself, what did I do? I said, I'm just, I'm a false prophet. I'm such a. I missed it. I'm such a fool. Oh, what did I do? I began to feel very embarrassed. I said, God, forgive me for, for prophet lion. And I got home that day, and I was on Facebook. And on her Facebook, she said, hey, we're pregnant. It's a boy. And I texted to her. I was like, why didn't you tell me? I thought I was a fool, but I'm actually a prophet. Just kidding. Um, but that did happen. And so, but it took her 10 years to stand for the promise until the Lord spoke to me. Go and tell her that it's going to happen. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Probably timing. God's timing is perfect. Amen. This is the last scripture I'm going to read before we go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 36. Let me tell you, if God has not answered your prayer yet, especially if you can find the promise of that prayer in the Bible, hold on. You got to Hold on for one more day. Just kidding. Remember that song? Someday somebody. Anyways, Hebrews 10, 35, 36. We're going to end with this. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Not in your circumstance. Not in your own ability. Not in your dead body that can't have babies. This confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. So what do we need when between the, 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 the tension between the place of promise and fulfillment? We need patient endurance. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. What do I do when I'm waiting for the promise? I continue to fulfill his call on my life, no matter what it is, no matter what it is God has called. Don't give up your call. Don't stop obeying God. Keep on obeying God. Keep on doing your call. Keep on being the blessing while you're waiting for the promise so that you'll continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Hebrews 10, 35, 36. Put that in your pipe. Smoke that scripture. 
meditate on that scripture, guys. Let me pray for you guys right now. Father, I pray for everyone here listening. I thank you, Lord, that sometimes it does get frustrating. And sometimes it, it, the waiting hurts that we don't understand. And God, there are times I still don't understand my circumstance and and the stress levels and the anxiety levels sometimes grow. But Lord, I believe in who you are and I believe in who you are for Ignite, for the individuals waiting for their promises that you still are faithful and God, that you still are good. And Lord, I thank you that when the promises come, it is better than even what they imagined. And Lord, I pray, Lord, I thank you that the the blessings of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. And so, Father, I pray for those waiting for their promise. I thank you that you are growing them and transforming them on the inside, preparing us for the reception of the promise and preparing us for walking in our futures and our destinies. And I pray, Lord God, that you would be there as a comforter, as a healer, as a savior. Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, everyone at the sound of my voice right now through YouTube or whatever it is, Lord, I pray that they would receive this prayer. In Jesus' name, God, you are good. You are good. And I just thank you. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. I thank you. Come on, at home, just begin to thank him right now for his goodness over your life. Come on, begin to thank him. If you're sick right now, begin to thank him. If you're, if you're just broke right now, just begin to thank him. If you're not broke, <laughs> begin to thank him. And maybe, maybe God will tell you to give some money to the broke one. Just, just begin to thank him. Hallelujah. God, you're good. God, you're good. Just begin to declare his goodness over your life right now. God, you are good. Lord, you are good and you are awesome. You are a good God. You are a good father. Every, every good gift comes from God. God, and I thank you, and I'm so grateful that you answer all of our prayers. And Lord, I'm also grateful when you extend the answer for our prayers. I'm just so grateful for you right now, Lord. You are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, guys. I know this is just recording, but I'm feeling the Holy Ghost on me right now. But uh, God bless you guys. I hope you guys uh, have a Merry Christmas and uh, have a Happy New Year. I'll see you guys soon.